Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. We're back again and again and again. You can't get rid of us. This is Earl Stewart on Cars. You heard the recorded introduction there. And uh, we're all present and accounted for here in the studio. Your regular team. We got Stu Stewart. We got Jonathan. We got Rick. We got Earl. That's me. And we got Nancy. And uh, we're live and in color. Stream us on Facebook. Or you can stream us on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Or you, facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. Uh, we get a lot more audience outside uh, our, our area here in South Florida. We're located in North Palm Beach, Florida, and we're uh, about 100 miles north of Miami. I say that because uh, that was our base audience for many years, and now I think we're getting about, about as many calls out of state and some out of the country uh, thanks to streaming, and we're just, we're, we're all over. Washington, D.C., for some reason, is a big area for us on our podcast. So we got podcasts, we got YouTube uh, videos, we, we're, we're, we're blanketing the earth with uh, how not to get ripped off by your car dealer. And what a better time to understand what's going on out there. It's a terrible time to buy a newer used car, terrible time. Uh, we are going through uh, a, a shortage uh, based on supply chain problems, especially with microchips, um, and we we're having uh, fewer cars sold this year than we did last year, but the dealers are getting richer and richer and richer. And we're, uh, they're making more money on the car than they've ever made before, even though they're selling fewer. It's terrible for you, the consumer. You've, uh, you have virtually no selection when you go into a dealer showroom now. Um, it's unusual if a dealer has, I'd say, what, 5% of uh, the availability of cars that you might be interested in. Usually the cars that are on the ground are pre-sold, uh, waiting for someone to come and pick up, and you're probably going to have to order your car. By the way, my blog, uh, in the Florida Weekly and Hometown News and, and at EarlOnCars.com, my weekly blog is uh, how to order a car and protect yourself. Really, if you're going to buy a car, if you have to buy a car today, uh, you really should order it. Uh, if you buy the few cars that are available in a dealership today, uh, you'll end up compromising what you want, maybe color, maybe accessories, uh, and you're going to have to take a car that you really would prefer something else, um, and you're going to pay a real premium over what you could negotiate if you buy a car. Now, if you, I mean, if you order the car. Now, if you order a car, the way car dealers look at it, this car 
is not coming out of my precious little inventory. It might be five or 20 or 25 cars. Even a big volume dealer probably doesn't have more than 50 cars in stock. And that's out of a um, model and accessory a combination color. If you had to throw color in there, probably 500 cars. So you just have a teeny weeny percentage of the selection that you should have. So if you're going to order a car, this blog avoids six pitfalls of ordering a new car. I'll hold it up. It's, at, uh, it's on our blogs. It's in Florida Weekly coming up next week and, and uh, coming up next week in uh, Hometown News. But you can get EarlOnCars.com right now. And uh, as I say, don't buy a car today. New or used, you're going to pay thousands of dollars more than if you wait. Now, I, I'm going to confess, if, you, if you're a regular listener of this show, I've been saying this for months and months. I meant it when I said I thought by the end of last year, prices would come down. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, I said maybe into this year, haven't come down yet. Used cars a little bit, but not much. And um, now the prediction is by the end of this year. I hope that's right. But uh, you're better off to wait. I I was uh, interviewed yesterday, I think it was, or it was the day before yesterday, uh, by the Wall Street Journal auto reporter, and also by Associated Press Auto Reporter. And uh, they were both doing articles on what should the car leasers buy? Uh, you know, if you're going to buy a car, lease a car, what should you do? And what should you do with your used car or your off-lease car? These are all questions we'll talk about on this show. So if you're one of those folks out there that has to buy a car, and let's be realistic, I know a lot of you don't have to buy it. You buy it anyway. People, you know, you're, you're making money. The economy's good. We have record employment, record income. Unfortunately, we're having record inflation, too. And large of that, <laughs> large part of that, are cars. But when you make a lot of money and you got a job, you just like to buy a car. If you're going to do it, you're going against my advice. But I'll listen carefully and ask questions. Call the show, 877-960-9960. This is our preferred form of communication. But we've only got about five lines, and sometimes they get tied up. We don't want you to wait, and uh, if you call, you might have to wait, and uh, uh, therefore we give you some alternatives. But if you're going to call, write this number down, please. Even if you don't have a question now, you might later, and uh, if you can't get through on the line now, you might be able to get through later. We're on from 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 uh, Eastern Standard Time, so you, you, you can come back in 45 minutes and try. 877 877- Nine six zero nine nine six zero eight seven seven nine six zero nine nine six zero. Now we have a text seven seven two. That's where we go seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. That's seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. And our popular line because it's anonymous. We have the only anonymous mode of contact of any talk show I know of, or any TV or any other thing. Anonymous. People like to remain anonymous. If you report a crime, sometimes you don't like to know, you don't want the bad guys to know you reported them, right? I mean, I don't know why people don't want to know uh, people know who they are, but that's okay. Youranonymousfeedback.com That's a URL, a web address. Your, Y-O-U-R, anonymous, A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S Feedback. Feedback.com, your anonymous feedback.com. Shoot a message in there. 
tell it like it is. I always say this to the car dealers out there listening and the car dealer employees listening. If you have an axe to grind with me, and I know you do, you can go totally undetected, but we will read your message on the air. We will skip over the the uh, you know the profane or the obscene comments, but you, you can use them if it you, makes you feel better. But we'll get the meaning of your message out. We will read it, I promise. We will thrive on constructive criticism, and we get it, and we change. We've made changes in this show as a result of your feedback. So 877-960-9960. That's the audio line. Text 772-497-6530. And uh, youranonymousfeedback.com. Uh, I'm going to uh, mention Stu Stewart is sitting right across from me. He's in charge of our mystery shopping report. If you haven't tuned in for any other reason, you got to tune in for this uh, mystery shopping report. Every week we shop a different car dealership. This is unlike anything you'll see or hear anywhere in the media. Uh, undercover agent goes in, pretends to buy or lease a car and uh, responds to an ad typically, and we tell it like it is. We talk about, were there any deception? Was there any lying, cheating, or stealing? Uh, was there a good job? Was there a medium job? Uh, how did the dealer rank? And then we vote on that dealership at the end of the report. We name names, we name dealerships, we name locations. We do it out of state, we do it mainly in the state, mainly in the South Florida area. Uh, I won't tell you the name of the dealership right now, but it was this one was uh, south of us. It was in Dade County. I think it's Dade County, right? Yeah. Dade, uh, Broward County. Probably Dade County, yeah. Um, but it's a big, big dealership and well-known, and uh, we shopped it. Uh, sitting to my right is Rick Kearney, and uh, he doesn't get the billing he should get because we talk too much about the exciting things, which are buying cars, leasing cars. All, do, all Rick does is fix and, and uh, maintain them, but I say that's all. Let me tell you, that's a mouthful. Uh, you spend more on maintaining and repairing your car than you do in buying a car uh, over all the years. It depends on how long you keep your car. It depends on the price of the car. So I take that statement back. You spend a lot of money. And uh, Rick can tell you how to minimize that cost. He can also tell you how to take care of your car. But the best thing Rick does, and we get a lot of calls on this, is diagnosing. You know, I, everything's, you used to go into the doctor's office and go through a whole bunch of stuff to get a diagnosis. Today, you're seeing online diagnosis by medical doctors. Uh, we've got Zoom, we've got audio, video, digital uh, machinery. We, this is what, so you can call, and if you can give either send an audio clip or a video clip to Rick, or maybe just describe it. If you can tell him what the noise is, the sound, the smell, describe it, the vibration. We'll give you a free diagnosis on the air. Rick Kearney, Certified Master Diagnostic Technician. And uh, save yourself a ton of money and aggravation driving in, going through all the malarkey with the local mechanics or the dealerships. Get a free diagnosis here. He'll tell you that He's not sure, because you can't be sure, uh, but you can you can say it's probably this. If you go in with an idea what your problem is, you're not going to get taken advantage of nearly as much as if you have no idea. So, Rick Kearney, 877-960-9960, and Rick monitors YouTube. So, Earl on Cars, uh, YouTube.com forward slash Earl on Cars, YouTube.com 
forward slash Roland Cars, and Rick will see that, and he'll wave at me, and I'll say, okay, Rick, and he'll he'll talk to your YouTube. Uh, by the way, Stu monitors Facebook.com forward slash Roland Cars, and he'll see your post and your uh, text and things like that. And uh, to my left is Nancy Stewart, my co-host, co-founder of the show with me many years ago, and the female advocate, we call her, consumer advocate, and she's bringing uh, female opinions and thoughts and comments into this show. We're looking for parity. I think some weeks we have more female callers. She has a special offer for you first-time lady callers. Listen carefully, because we know that you see things differently than men do, and oftentimes uh, smarter than men do. And uh, you are buying half the cars, gals. We know that. And the manufacturers are starting to understand that. And the dealers are beginning to understand that. And you're starting to get the respect and the recognition that you deserve. And Nancy Stewart here is largely responsible for that happening on this show. Nancy, the mic is yours. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We have an exciting show ahead. And as Earl mentioned earlier in his introduction, it's amazing. We have become an international show. Is that amazing? Wow. And thanks to all of you, all of you for helping us edge towards the international title. Uh, I want to uh, remind everyone that you can subscribe to uh, Earl Stewart on Cars uh, by using the uh, podcast uh, you can take and uh, go to the uh, following podcast apps uh, by using your iPhone or your Android phone, and you can uh, access Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And uh, that's amazing. There's just so many ways for you to get in touch with us. Uh, also this morning, as uh, usual, uh, we want to thank the ladies. We want to thank you for helping me build this platform. Uh, week in and week out, uh, women represent a huge, a huge opportunity for the auto industry. $50 for the first two new lady callers. $50 for the first two new lady callers. So take advantage of that, ladies, and give us a call at 877 960-9960 and uh, for the rest of you you can text us this morning you can call us this morning you can YouTube us it's uh, everything in between text number 772-497-6530 and as Earl said don't forget youranonymousfeedback.com youranonymousfeedback.com we're going to go straight to the phones where we have John holding from Boynton Beach. Good morning, John. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you. What's up, John? I was wondering what you thought about the new Rivian pickup trucks, and is it too soon to buy electric? <laughs> Yeah, uh, John, that's a great question. It's it just, there's so much talk going on. Uh, Stu probably knows more about the Rubium than I do. I hear good things about it. You know, when you buy a new vehicle that has never been built before, uh, you're taking a chance. But that's exciting. I'm driving a Tesla, and uh, that's only been around a short time. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, um, I think uh, Tesla is, is, is going to come up with a truck. Everybody's going to have an electric truck shortly. But uh, 
Um, Stu, what do you know about the Rubian? Rivian. <coughs> Rivian. I, they're really cool. Um, I, I don't know much about them at all. I just think the design is great and the specs that I'm hearing. Um, they're really expensive. I mean, that's, I think that's um, going to be the, um, the, where, where the, when, the wa- when the dam breaks is when there's um, some mass market ones. And there will be. I mean, there's a lot in the works right now. And there's, there's some that, that are at affordable price points. Is that the company that got in trouble by coasting their truck down the hill? And saying it, it might running, be. I think is that the one, Rick? Do you know? I, th- I think so. Yeah. It was the concept. So they had a, 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 some bad PR in the beginning, and their their stock isn't that great. But they're uh, yeah. John. I'm, I'm hearing good things technically company. about it, but morally, uh, there's a. I, I worry about a company that would trick uh, the potential consumers. But what what they did is they took a truck that didn't have a, a electric engine in it, an electric motor, I should say, and uh, showed it going along the highway, and got a lot of PR and got a lot of attention. And then someone found out that they just uh, rolled it to the top of the hill and pushed it. And uh, then they finally had to come out and come clean and confess. But that's not to say it's not going to be a heck of a truck. And they could be right up there contending with all the major manufacturers. Yeah. I mean, but there, it's an electric car a truck, and it has got full off-road capabilities, and it's really impressive. But it's, it's a, I think it starts at $80,000, so that's not going to be a, a huge market. Hmm. Is that all? That's we, it. <laughs> we need a Henry Ford for electric vehicles. Wait, I mean, don't we have one? Oh, a mass well, production one. Right. Think well, about it. Mean, that's, that's Elon Musk. Yeah. Cars, car, when, when cars first started getting on the road, they were huge money. Only a few people could afford them. And all of a sudden, here comes Henry Ford. Well, that's Ford. what Elon Musk is doing. So he is the Henry this, Ford, yeah. and he's scaling up his production right now. He's going into the mega factories, and he's built one in Germany. I just uh, finished one in oh, the Texas. Gig, the Gigas. Yeah, Giga, Giga, yeah. and the Gigas. And uh, he says he's just bringing, he's coming up to scale now, so he's doing exactly what you said. Uh, John, we're doing all the talking, and you called. What's on your mind? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say, is it too soon to buy electric? I'm concerned that I can only drive... 300 miles, and I may or may not be able to charge it at my destination. Uh, we went to Vermont this past weekend, and the hotel only had one charging station, and there was a Tesla there. Yeah. So that's my second concern. John, if I were you, uh, if I were going to buy an electric vehicle today, I'd buy a, a Tesla for the very reason you bring up, because they have a national charging system, and it is very sophisticated. Uh, my son, Stu, drove one for a while. I'm driving one now. And when you're in the car on your on your screen, wherever you are, that tells you the nearest charging station. And you can go from coast to coast. Uh, you can go east to west, north to south, and uh, anywhere in Florida, certainly. Uh, you're always within easy range of a charging station. Plus, it tells you how what chargers are available, what the waiting time is, and how fast the charger is. So you can pick and choose. You can get a supercharger that'll charge your car in 20, up to 80% in 20 minutes, or you can go to one of the trickle, slower chargers, and just top it off or put a a few more miles on it. But don't let the charging be a problem unless you buy a non-Tesla. But even in that case, um, there's some other charging, uh, charge points, a big one, and they have, I think, 20,000 or 18,000 stations, and they have an app just like Tesla, and if if it's, you can find them really easily, and they're all over the place. I have never had a hard, a hard time finding a, a station. We got a new uh, new Tesla okay, coming that's out. That's all or, I got, guys. What's that, John? I said that's all I got. I appreciate the reply. Well, well you're, you're, what you ask is a great question because it's on the minds of thousands, millions of people. We're all thinking the same thing. When do I buy my electric? And uh, I started to say that. Uh, 
uh, uh, Tesla's coming up with their new model, which will be the lowest price model and their volume model. And it's under $50,000. I think it might be around 30000 And uh, well, 30000 is, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I know a lot of people have got the answer to that. But uh, I would stick with the Tesla right now. In about a year, you can have a, a choice of two or three more good models. And plus a, a, a used one. Uh, that was the one I was driving, a yeah, used one. Exactly. Yeah. Not now, though. No. <laughs> Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Call again. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks. Have a great weekend. We're going to go to Ward, who's holding. Good morning, Ward. What can yeah, we do hello. for you? Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, employers that recently passed. Horace. Horace Walker. One of the Amen. greatest, one of the nicest, kindest persons I've ever met in my life. Rest in peace, Horace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Rest in peace. I hope everybody who knew him hears it because he was one of a kind he sure was yeah, everybody in the studio here knew Horace a, well I saw mm. too that you put a uh, nice note on there and I as well and uh, his service is today at four mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll be able to make it but uh, he definitely got my attention when I came in to buy a car from you all so may you rest in peace thank you Ward thanks for the call that means a lot to us and I know the family appreciate it uh, please call again okay bye thank you Ward uh, we're going to go to David in West Palm Beach. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, guys. This is Dog Walker Dave. Hey. Hey. Hi, Dave. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, I haven't been calling in, but that doesn't mean I haven't been listening. Oh, thank you. Listen, um, I got one for Rick, I think. Uh, I bought a couple of months ago a 2014 Ford Edge. Uh, less than 30,000 miles. This thing had been garaged its whole life, uh, still has your original tires on it. And uh, I went to Publix the other day, and as I was, after I put the groceries in the back, uh, uh, using the lift gate, the automatic lift gate, when I got in the car and started it and put it in reverse, the camera went out and the lift gate opened and so I went back and made sure there were no obstructions and closed it again and it did the same thing again and I liked to never got out of the parking lot so what I did is I had to back out with the lift gate open hmm. and close it in order to drive it home oh, man. Oh. since yeah since then what I have noticed is with the lift gate, I mean, with the uh, backup camera, uh, my camera comes on, but the guidelines and warning zones don't show up anymore, but I still get an audible warning if I'm getting too close <coughs> to something. And I also, on the dash, it shows the, a lift gate error. Now, on the the forums, particularly YouTube, the only thing that I have found that might get me out of this predicament without taking it to a garage is a reset by pulling the lift gate fuse for a minute and then putting it back in, and maybe that will correct the problem. Otherwise, Rick... Do I have to take this to a Ford dealership to have it troubleshot, or could somebody else do it in a garage or a 
a Toyota dealership. What are my options here? What do you think? Uh, first question, What what's the year and mileage on your car? 2014. A 14. Okay. Um, less than 30,000 30, miles. On a 14? Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, super it's low. Garage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would go a little more extreme on that reset. Pull the negative c- terminal off of the battery. Uh, much easier to get to. Pull that off. Wait about three, four minutes. Reconnect it. Wait about four or five minutes to let everything boot back up and try it again. Uh, sometimes just rebooting the system will correct a lot of those issues. If that doesn't do it, most likely you're going to wind up at a Ford dealership. Um, you can call around and check a few places. Uh, what I would do is go online and look for forums, uh, Ford Edge forums for local guys, and see if anyone here knows anyone that, you know, a local mechanic that is trained for that. But some of those, the sensors in that, uh, it may require their special software in order to diagnose what you got going on. Yeah, that's really what I was hoping not to hear. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I understand yeah. that one. Yeah. I think okay. you're, you said you've already looked at YouTube, Dave. I, I you know, online, um, as Rick said, that's, that's your best bet. Uh, you, you've got your symptoms uh, very specifically described, and that's really good. And because you've got some mechanical knowledge, uh, you can be uh, pretty exact. And you put that in Google, and it'll take you to chat rooms and, and other forums and sources of information, YouTube. Uh, I, I bet you your answer is out there. And uh, the more specific you can be on, uh, on your search on Google, the more likely you are to get an answer. Yeah, that's 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 the next step for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I got, I have the owner's manual, right? The original owner's manual, five hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and not really good reading, not at all. <laughs> the, uh, the it it just it it says in the owner's manual that if I get a lift gate error on my dashboard indicator that the backup camera should not even work at all. And yes, that's not the case. Now, I will also add, because this is all of a sudden, I can go in reverse now, and the lift gate doesn't open automatically. I mean, this is just, there's, there's like no consistency in this problem at mm-hmm. this point. And I, I'm afraid I'm going to end up at a Ford dealership. I really am. And I just didn't want to do that. So I thank you for the uh, suggestion of trying to find perhaps on the uh, a forum a local guy who who's got the Ford, the, the Ford if you go to if you go to a dealer we'd recommend Mullinex. Uh, I don't know where you plan on going but uh, uh, they're uh, they're a pretty good outfit we have them on our, on our recommended list uh, we don't have a lot of data on their service department but they're honest people and you might want to start there all right well I'll tell you what if I do and uh, I'll, I'll give you a call again next uh, one of these Saturdays and, and let you know what we found out and how the service was great well we know them all next people and tell them tell them Earl Stewart on cars recommended you and they've uh, we've talked to them in the past there and uh, they're they're honest people they'll give you a, a fair shake good deal good deal hey listen guys thanks for the show every week Oh, you're welcome, Dave, and uh, thanks for staying in touch with us. We look forward to hearing from you again on this problem. Have a great weekend. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, 
Uh, you can uh, give us a call at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Don't forget, ladies, we have $50 for the first two new lady callers. Give us a call. Whether you had, you know, a co- whether you have a complaint or you, you're complimenting, uh, you know, your salesperson, lease person, and uh, if you just want to say hello. 877-960-9960. And don't forget Earl's column from quite a long time ago, but I keep repeating this every week. It's very helpful to the consumer, and it is www.floridalawprotectingcarbuyers. That's www.floridalawprotectingcarbuyers. me. <coughs> Anyway, let me start over again. Remember, www.floridalawprotectingcarbuyers.com. Take advantage of that. There's a lot of information on that uh, on that column, and you can access that at Irwan Cars. Now back to the recovering car dealer. You know, Dave's call gave me uh, a couple of thoughts. Uh, you're talking about uh, restarting, rebooting, I call it. Uh, that's... Uh, it's, it, it isn't a joke. It's true, and, and Rick alluded to it. Uh, the uh, rebooting can cure just about anything, and uh, maybe they'll reboot, uh, reboot humans one day. Amen. But, uh, I had a management meeting the other day, and uh, Stu was hosting the management meeting, and uh, I uh, my computer went out, and I went out. I was in a hurry to reboot it, and uh, I rebooted it too fast, and Rick just said something that is if you're in a hurry, you're angry, sometimes you forget. When you when you reboot, you turn whatever it is off, leave it off for a couple of minutes. And then when you turn it back on, you have to wait a couple of minutes. I mean, all those little digital uh, things, all those little uh, transistors and microchips, they gotta cool down, warm up, and, and kind of get cranking again. And when you turn everything off, leave it off for a little while. I did, so right after the Zoom meeting. We, we, we reboot every night. That's when we sleep. <laughs> At the Zoom meeting, then I went out and I said, okay, I'll try waiting for two minutes. And, my, and everything came back up again. So I could have been back online. Slow as fast. But I was exactly. We're slow. the rebooters in Jupiter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jupiter rebooters. You just drive around and remind people to just try unplugging and plugging it back in. <laughs> no, listen, if you, and if you're wondering, everything is digital now. So. It doesn't make any difference. I mean, if you accidentally unplug, replug something in that doesn't need it, it's not going to hurt anything, Rick. By the way, uh, Negan One on uh, YouTube here uh, corrected us. It was not the Rivian truck. It was the Nikola semi-truck. Oh, okay. right. My the, apologies. The My truck My apologies. That they pushed Rivian. down the hill. <laughs> Rivian is moral and, yeah. um, and didn't do that. <laughs> well, but actually Nikola now, uh, coming this is coming from Negan One, uh, he says... The Nikola truck is actually doing a lot better now. His company is actually testing one of them. He says it's extremely impressive. And their plant is about 15 miles away from him there in Arizona. Yeah. So uh, I think tr- I think tr- trucks really lend themselves to uh, electric battery powered uh, than <clears throat> anything else. Because yeah. a big truck, uh, you, you know, you're not worried about the size of the battery that much. And, and with a resp- and proportion to size, smaller cars... Uh, definitely uh, 
are overwhelmed by a big battery, mm-hmm. but a semi-tractor trailer, uh, just a little chunk of equipment yeah. compared to a car. But those well, electric motors, uh, that torque, it's like having um, those remote-controlled toys, but they're big now. Exactly. They can do what toys and, used to be able to do. And the, the biggest issue there is yeah. the torque that electric motors produce instantly is what gets that load moving. Yeah. So when, as a matter of fact, when the Highlander Hybrid first came out, we were recommending that to anyone who owned a boat. Yeah. Because a four-wheel right, drive right bat, yeah. electric vehicle could pull a boat up a ramp easier than any vehicle out there. That's so cool. Okay. How about text? We got any text coming? Oh yeah, we got a, we have a bunch uh, that came in. We'll kick it off with Amberies, but what? we might have some. Co- we have a caller. Yeah, we have. Let's a do that. Co- we have a couple callers. Uh, we're going to go to Howard. He's a regular caller from Jupiter. Ciao, Howard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice talking to you guys. <laughs> nice um, hearing from you. Bonsoir. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got. I got Actually, yeah. Actually, it's a, a question for Rick. Rick, there's a valve that came out in the late '60s that is usually never replaced on a, a modern car. You know what valve that is? PCV valve, positive crankcase yeah. ventilation valve. Okay. How much does he win? Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. You, you need to do that more often. That. You guys set this yeah. up before the show, didn't you? Nope. Yeah. Okay, Rick's uh, taking I just, over. I just know Howard. <laughs> Excuse me, do you, do you read minds or something? How did you get these answers so fast? Yeah. Because actually, they're they're hardly even used anymore. Now it's actually just a simple ventilation hose, and the original PCV valve had a little ball, a check ball in it, that would prevent it from overpressuring. But so you got now they've reached you the point they don't even need now, it. And I'm going to have to you know, silence him because he's going to he's going to tell us how to build a PCV valve. Yeah. Modern modern technology, they're outdated now. Okay, so in other words, uh, on a uh, let's take a Camry. Uh, To service a Camry, I don't see at any mileage where you replace the PVC valve. PCV, but nope, you never will. PCV. Yeah, it's it's only if it if something were to happen and it got plugged up, then you would replace that that system. But otherwise, nope. It'll yeah. never need it. Our technicians refers to it as the eternal valve. Yep. <laughs> the, forever, the valve of the eternity. The valve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's immortal. Unfortunately, I think, yeah, I'm going to have to have a valve job on my car, so it's okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, another question, Rick. Um, yesterday, while I was driving, the radio just cut out completely. And I was driving around, I was near Earl Stewart. And I pulled in, and the radio started working again. So my question is, does this happen frequently? And what happens uh, when, when a, a radio uh, is completely uh, uh, finished? Uh, do, do you get a rebuilt radio? Does Toyota uh, supply a new radio? So my question is on uh, automotive radios. What's the story on that? Modern radio, the newest ones, if you have an issue where it suddenly cuts out like that, Stop in to see if there's a software update. Uh, they're, they're computerized now, just like your, your home computer. And updates come out quite frequently for them, and there's a lot of them. So you might just need a simple software update. 
if your radio stops working and it's more than five or six years old, maybe six, seven, eight years old, I would investigate an aftermarket radio from somewhere like Best Buy or something like that before I would go for an, a factory radio, simply because if you go into the dealership, they're going, if they sell you a radio, they're going to sell you a rebuilt or remanufactured radio that it's perfect, it works perfectly, but it's the same age as the original radio. It's that technology level. Great point. Versus if you go into Best Buy, you just put a radio in your car that the technology is five, six, seven years advanced. And as fast as technology advances, you've suddenly got a massive new amount of technology in your car. And it makes your car feel kind of like a, a much newer car now because you've got this sudden new toy in there. Great advice, And they're fantastic. Rick. Great advice, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, I have a 2017 Camry. So if my radio went uh, kaplunk uh, and I went to Best Buy, I would have more... Uh, more features, more yeah. Imagine yeah. having uh, wireless Apple CarPlay, uh, wireless maps on the radio screen to where as you're driving along... Just imagine. Radio, not only is the map up there, but it shows you the traffic. It shows you an accident up ahead of you. If you're using WISE, it'll show you where the cops might be hiding out. Really? Wow. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Howard. Okay. Have a good day, guys. Thanks. Have a great week. And we love hearing from you, Howard. Uh, we're going to go to our next caller, and her name is Kelly. She's from Port St. Lucie, <laughs> and she is a first-time caller. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome. You've just won yourself $50. Woo-woo! Yeah, woo-woo. <laughs> what can we do for you? I actually have two questions. Um, the first one is maintenance. I have a 2011 Infiniti G37S. I have factory brakes on it, and they squeak all the time. Uh -huh. Why is that? Uh, probably when they were installed, maybe they didn't get the proper clips in place or the lubrication on the back of the pads. Um, it might also just be a, a they might have been installed wrong or something. Um, I would stop in at, at a well, aren't dealership they, and have them checked out. Aren't they the original factory brakes? Well, if they're original factory pads, they might just be worn right out. Might be time for new nope, ones. No, I just, I've, they've been squealing ever since I got them. I had the dealership install them. Oh, you, oh they're, okay, they were a dealer installed, I see. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd, I'd go back there and I would say to the uh, technician or the manager, hey, go for a ride with me and let me show you this noise and say, this is not normal and you need to fix this. Okay. Polite right, persistence. Cool. And then, yep, there you go. And then the second question I have is with the new cars. If, from what I understand, uh, at least the, the top three, you know, GM, Chrysler, and Ford up there in Michigan and all over have thousands and thousands of brand new vehicles sitting on the lot or in fields, if you will, waiting for a chip. When these parts arrive, and they're still making cars, how is that going to affect the price 
of these cars that have been sitting there for years and the ones that are brand new coming off the assembly line? That's a great question. Um, I uh, something I haven't thought about. Um, I've I've read about those cars sitting in there. You know, you don't like a car to sit unattended and uncared for for a long period of time. Car dealers experienced this back in the day when we had too many cars in stock. You had to watch a car that would get off in a corner somewhere, and you turn around one day checking your computer inventory, and you see a car that came in a year and a half ago, and nobody sold it, and that that, that leads to all sorts of problems. Uh, that uh, Rick could probably elaborate on, but I'm not going to ask him. Um, but you don't want to buy a car that's just been sitting there for a year and a half. So uh, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. You, you brought something to my attention that we'll probably have to bring to our listeners' attention when they're buying a car. When those uh, microchips come in and they, they put it on GM Ford product and uh, ship it to you, I hope they have some sort of a check sheet they go through and recheck those cars. For one thing, you know the battery's dead, so uh, uh, you might have a, a problem with the fuel if the fuel has been sitting there for... Rusty uh, brakes. Rusty brakes. Old gas. Yeah. Dried out seals and well, gaskets. what about rust oh. underneath... Yeah, rust yeah. underneath yep. all the cars, you know, because they're sitting in fields, right, up, up north where yeah. we yep. have snow and ice Rats. and all of that. Rats. And, and they've yeah. been over for a year or so. Rats. The other thing would be your warranty is typically three years, thirty-six, right? Well, that doesn't start to take the extended. Yeah, they they they. Right, Tony, all, now all, I've got a, a two-year-old car. Yeah, all warranties start you know, from the date of first use. From the date of delivery. I so, understand that. Yeah. I understand that, but I I'm buying a two-year-old car. Yes, you are. You know, yep. so yep. I would have to assume they're going to discount these vehicles at some point or give an extended warranty or something to be able to compete with the brand new cars coming off the assembly line. What's yeah, your good thought? point. Good point. If they disclose it. Yeah. And transparency is the problem. And uh, uh, we'll do a little research on that. Uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, Stuart or Rick knows now, but if a car is built other than the year, obviously the year make, uh, is there is there any way you can tell from the VIN of the month it was made? There's generally a sticker mm -hmm. on the door yeah, jam. Uh, when you open the, the driver's front door, there's a sticker there, and usually right at the very top, it will say the month and year that that car was produced. So there you go. And that uh, this is the reason I love callers and Kelly. Uh, that was one of the greatest questions we've had asked because it hasn't been asked before and it's going to kick in very soon. And uh, it's very important. Uh, a lot of people should be looking at that. Uh, when these cars come in, these they'll be shiny and they'll be on the showroom floor and you'll think of them as almost a new car. But you, a new car smell. You, you just got to find out when it was built. And if it was built three years ago, uh, you're, you're, it's a, a problem's waiting to happen. So thank you very much. Great call. Hey, Kelly, I have, I have to commend thank you. You are an educated consumer. Um, I'm going to keep you on the line. You know why? I want to get back to your brakes. Let me ask you this question. Does your brake squeal or squeak when you back the car up, when you go forward? Does it matter? Uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, some of these components become, um, for lack of another word, I'm going to say loose, and uh, it may be a simple fix for you to check out, and uh, they just might need to tighten up the system. I, I think I'm, well, in, into uh, Rick's... <laughs>
<laughs> I'm not a mechanic. No. <laughs> but uh, maybe uh, Rick can uh, say something uh, to this. Yeah, we're gonna. She's gonna take it to the dealer because. Uh, oh, she would have yeah, to definitely pro- to check pro- it out. Probably a problem. Uh, yeah. Maybe what do you we'll, say, Rick? I'd, I'd stick with go back to the place where she had them done. Yeah. Show the noise to the manager and say, "Please fix this." Yeah. And but it may be again, a, polite okay. persistence. My my yeah. my point is, it's a, probably a simple fix well, they, they because have, these components yeah. become loose over time. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, Kelly, I want to get back to thanking you, thanking you for giving us a call this morning, and congratulations on your fifty dollars. And please continue to listen to us and uh, spread the word. Tell your lady friends Absolutely. we're building a platform here. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Kelly. We're going to go to Marty, who, too, is a, well, he's a regular caller from West Palm Beach. Good morning. How are you, Marty? Good. How are you? Great. I got to give you a little quick Tesla story. Uh, Last Sunday night, I met my daughter and son and everybody. It was three different cars, and my daughter had her Tesla there with uh, her two kids. And uh, when we were going home, before we went home, her, her 15-year-old son noticed that the tire was flat on the right rear. And what they went in the car, and of course the, the thing showed that it was a flat, you know, flat or low pressure. Well, apparently no Teslas have a spare tire. Well, I, I didn't know that. Mine yeah, doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, none of them do, except I guess you could order one, but uh, nine, 100% don't have one, I'd say. Mm, it's a very anyways, common Tesla trend has a roadside service. Mm. We called them up, and uh, they said, well, I said, do you, can you come out and just plug the tire? They said, no, we don't plug the tire. So they said, we have to tow the, tow the car in. Well, to make a long story short, Tesla's tow truck or whoever they hire, their tow truck broke down. Oh. So this was after an hour waiting for that truck. They said it'll be another hour. So my daughter said, look, my husband will have to call you uh, tomorrow, which would have been Monday, and see what they can do. Well, apparently what happens is, uh, I didn't know this on a regular car, you can't do this, but on Tesla's, your phone can start the car, open the car, and everything. Yes. So, so from West Palm, he called. They towed the car. He, he unlocked it. He didn't have to go back to Boca. They unlocked the car and everything, and they towed it into uh, Okeechobee Boulevard. And the bottom line was the Tesla place on Okeechobee plugged the tire. <laughs> hmm. Even though they said they don't plug tires. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's not a good idea to plug tires, is it, Rick? No, definitely not. So I'm glad you brought that to our attention. Uh, I, I hope Tesla's a little embarrassed now, uh, and the one on Okeechobee Boulevard in West Palm Beach should be. And uh, you got some good advice there they, from the one person. Uh, but uh, plug is, you know, plug might work for a long time, but it might not. And when you talk about tires, you don't want to do a might. You want to be a sure thing. And that, that should have been uh, fixed properly. So thanks very much for the call, Marty. I, you know, I said before I'm a, I, I'm a Tesla fan. I'm an Elon Musk fan. 
but I've said before that the Tesla has got a lot of faults and uh, uh, the quality of my Tesla is not what uh, a Honda or a Toyota or a, for that matter a, some a GM a lot of cars higher in terms of uh, fit and finish uh, I'm a little can disappointed I just ask you, sure uh, Earl can I just ask Rick a question is there Please. any technical difference for towing a Tesla versus towing on a regular car uh, not really. You just have to go on a flatbed and pull it up on the flatbed in neutral is all. He's talking about towing it uh, on the ground. Oh, tow it. Yeah. No, I, I would put it on a trailer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, I didn't know how Tesla did it, but I thought I was going to call the automobile club for my daughter, but uh, I figured maybe it's better that a Tesla tows it. You know that there's no. They don't say the automobile club guy did something wrong. Yeah, I, 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 I'm all four off the ground, on a, on a Tesla. Oh. All four off the ground, especially okay. if it's got the dual motor system, where all the wheels have the electric motor power. All four off the ground. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know how they did it, but apparently the car's still running, so they must have, they must have done it right. At it, so. Okay, Barney. Thanks very much for the okay, call. Okay. Yeah. Have a good day, everybody. Great hearing from you. Uh, We're going to go to Miami. We've got Angel on the line. It's been a while since we heard from Angel. Good morning. Good morning to all. Thank you. First of all, thank you for providing the information you guys provide every week on the uh, the car industry. And my question to you guys is um, I'm looking to get into the tool business, and I want to know, if I should go with a new or used car. Thank you for your time. I, I think uh, you still have inflated prices on both, Angel, and you've got, uh, uh, I, in general, I would recommend um, a late model used car over a new car, period. But today's crazy market, uh, you really have to shop and, and look at prices and compare. Uh, it's just a bad time to buy a car. I recommend you don't buy a car unless you have to, sense me like you have to. Um, I shop both. Uh, there are people out there paying more for a used car than they would have to pay for a new car, and vice versa. I mean, it just, um, the supply and demand with the supply line shortage and this whole COVID thing is, uh, is upside down. So uh, decide what you want, your make, model, uh, shop new and used, and go with your best buy. Try to if you're buying if you're buying new, try to get as close to MSRP as you can. You're not going to get a car below MSRP. And if you're buying a used car, uh, compare the price on the used car that you're buying to what the new one would 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 cost. Uh, if you're going to buy a used car, be sure that you're going to save yourself a couple thousand dollars over what you would pay for a new car. And, uh, but uh, you can't make a decision today like you would normally make. If this were three years ago, Angel, I'd say buy yep. a, a good certified late model used car. I can't make that recommendation The today. only advantage now is you can get it faster. Yeah, exactly. Does that answer thank your, you. Okay, thank you, Angel. Call again. Appreciate it very much. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, we're all cleared up with the, with the callers right now. Uh Nope, I think we have some volume going over there. We can get some texts, and Anne-Marie has one waiting for us. And it's very topical, and it's something that we wanted to talk about on the show. 
And Emery says, um, good morning. Usually misbehavior at car dealerships doesn't attract any notice, but this week is the exception. Some, fla- some Florida dealerships were spotlighted in the news. On Wednesday, Palm Beach Post reported that two Napleton auto dealerships in Palm Beach County are among eight nationwide that will pay a total of $10 million after federal regulators accused them of gouging car buyers by charging hitting fees and discriminating against black customers. And it's the largest settlement um, ever um, worked out by the Federal Trade Commission with a car dealer. Um, it was signed last week to end the lawsuit the FTC filed um, against Ed Napleton Autom- Automotive Group. And like she says, uh, two of the dealerships named in the nationwide groups are right here on North Lake Boulevard, and we have mystery shopped them uh, several times. <laughs> and trust us, we will be back to mystery shopping. Um, so um, the gist of it is that they were accused of overcharging um, all their customers for unwanted fees and hidden things, um, and they were charging um, their black customers even more than, than they are overcharging everybody. Uh, so it's a big mess for them, and it doesn't look good, but we knew it because we saw it every time we mystery shopped them. Um, so Anne-Marie has some questions for us. She says, one, um, is the $10 million fine, is that just the cost of doing business? Uh, two, um, can Napleton deduct this fine as a business expense? I don't know. And number three, if their alleged behavior was so bad that it caught the attention of the Federal Trade Commission, where was our, uh, where was the Florida Attorney General um, when it was going on right under her nose? And uh, let's address that. She has another question, but let's talk about her questions. Uh, so it was a $10 million fine. It's just a... Uh, they make, in other words, well, they, they, they make enough money screwing people that the $10 million fine is just, eh, just the price to do business? Let's, let's talk about it after we watch your clip. Uh, we happen to have that clip on video, and we're going to run that, and you can watch the commercial online if you have YouTube or Facebook, and then we'll get into the answer uh, that Anne-Marie asked. Very, very good questions. All right. A major car dealership chain with two locations in our area has reached a multi-million dollar settlement with federal authorities. The feds say this company ripped off customers with fees for add-ons they didn't ask for and charged black customers more for financing. CBS 12's Al Pefley has the latest. I would think twice about buying at a place like this. Why? Because of what the FTC case shows. Napleton Auto Group has agreed to pay $10 million to settle a lawsuit for illegally charging black customers more for financing a car, as well as illegally tacking on fees for products that buyers didn't want, like payment insurance and paint protection. The FTC says these illegal fees cost Napleton customers thousands of dollars extra in some cases. Napleton has two dealerships in Palm Beach County that are part of this case. Napleton North Lake Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Lake Park and Napleton North Lake Kia in North Palm Beach, where we were told a manager would speak with us. Is the dealership manager here? Could we speak to him? We have no comment on anything. If you have a question or anything, call. this is the contact person. That's it. Was your dealership deceiving people? No question. No comment. What do you have to say about these allegations? I have nothing to say. No comment. Is this how you treat customers? Call that person. We got the same treatment at Napleton's Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealership. Uh, I'm from CBS 12 News, and my name is Al Pefley, and we're doing Is that off? No, it's on. Well, it needs to be off. Why is that? Because you didn't even ask permission yet, so... Well, we're asking permission. We'd like to talk to someone from your dealership about the story that came out. The Better Business Bureau says car buyers need to be cautious at any dealership. Well, we always advise consumers to look at anything before they sign it. 
I know it can be tedious. There's a lot of paperwork that goes um, into buying a car, but you have to look at the final bill and what the fees are for. Napleton did provide a written statement which said in part, quote, we vehemently deny any wrongdoing. The Napleton family has been in business for over 90 years selling and servicing millions of vehicles. We're proud of our trusted, time-tested reputation and relationship with our customers and are fully committed to transparency in all of our dealings. Oh boy. That was our Al Pefley reporting. That $10 million is a record-setting judgment <sighs> against Napleton, according to the FTC. We're told, told most of the $10 million will be used to pay Napleton's customers who were overcharged. All right. I, I, I want to volunteer to be their media consultant. Well, I, I got I to gotta thank Channel 12 for stepping up the plate. Uh, Channel 5 and Channel 25 and nobody else that I know of came up. And it takes a lot of nerve uh, for a uh, local TV station to go after a local car dealer. And they don't do it. And uh, it takes a lot of nerve for the Florida Attorney General to do what she should have done a long time ago. Now it had to be uh, the, I guess it the was feds. the Ohio and the, the other uh, Attorney General from out of state. But... Uh, have you seen anything in the Palm Beach Post? Uh, nothing in the Palm Beach Post. Absolutely. You uh, won't. Oh, yeah. I, th I think there was. That was, uh, was Emory. It? Yeah, Emory cited the article in the Palm Beach Post. Yeah. What? Yeah, she, she uh, sent me the article. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh. okay. My apologies. Well, here's, uh, here's uh, let me tell Kevin to hold on. Uh, he's been holding from uh, New York. We'll be what right with you. What page was that on, Stu? The point is, uh, the point is, and, I, and we'll go to the caller in just a second. Uh, you've seen now exposed the Napleton group in this area. We've shopped them for, for years, and they're on the bottom of our recommended list. Um, uh, they uh, finally got nailed out of state by an attorney general who wanted to do her job. Actually, it wasn't the attorney general. It was the Federal, Tra federal Trade Commission. So the federal government had to do the job of the state and in this case here, uh, they got exposed. So now what is Ashley Moody going to do now that it's public? Uh, you know, the world is watching you, Ashley Moody. And it isn't just Napleton. It's a lot of dealers doing the same thing as Napleton. Napleton is the worst, I'll say you. I'll tell you that. But there are a lot of dealers that do exactly the same thing as Napleton, and they go untouched. The federal government shouldn't have to do the work of the state government, especially the state attorney general. So... We'll come back to this topic. I don't want to keep Kevin you know, holding. And Ashley Moody, this has been going on for far too long, and we need your help, please. Uh, we're going to get to Kevin, who's holding from Buffalo, New York. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. You don't have to, I, I always enjoy listening to your show because you, you all empower learning, and that's very good. And you can keep me on hold for as long as you want because my, my information is not as great as what you, you presented in the, in the audience. <laughs> Thank you. Alrighty. I have a question of, a, of an 11-year-old car. My right headlight, after about nine years, burned out, so I replaced it. After about six months, it went out again. After about a year, so within two years, I've had to replace the headlight bulb on the right side twice. And now I'm going to replace it the third time because it burned out. But the left one doesn't seem to burn out. What could be the problem, Rick? Hmm. I'd put the left one over on the right side, put a new one on the left side. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, it's it's something weird that <clears throat> I don't really understand about light bulbs. This is this is something that has driven me crazy for years. If everything is working perfectly, the light bulb should use all the voltage that goes to it, 
and the negative side, the ground side, should have perfect no voltage used on that side of the circuit. And yet, it seems in older cars, when you replace a bulb that's been in there for a long time, suddenly the new ones just don't seem to last. And it's it may just be the planned obsolescence that, that they're putting into these new bulbs. Um, okay. The best I can say is just maybe have a mechanic check, make sure that the, you don't have any excessive resistance on the circuit. But other than that, uh, you just kind of got to keep trying with uh, maybe a higher quality bulb. Or Google oh, it. Last time I bought a mid Okay, Google it. <laughs> no, uh, I, 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 so, I somebody out there probably has better information than me. Because yeah, you know, when Nick, uh, Rick put it uh, pretty succinctly, he said, "You know, here he is. He's been doing this for twenty-five years more, and uh, he says ev evidently when a headlight goes out, eventually they last a long time, and when a headlamp goes out, you replace it with a new headlamp, and that's where you start having problems. And he doesn't understand why. Yeah, so, one thing to be careful of though." Make sure when you're putting the new bulb in, don't touch the glass with your fingers because the oils on your fingers can actually cause the heat of the bulb to concentrate in certain areas and that can cause them to burn out earlier, I've heard. So avoid right. avoid touching it with the, your bare skin. That's what it says on the instructions. What about dielectric grease? Does that hurt it? Uh, dielectric grease is actually meant to help keep water from getting into anything and it's actually a special grease that will not conduct electricity of any sort. So that actually can't hurt having a little bit on the connectors when you put it back together. Right. Thank you. I gotta, I'd gotta. just like to make a couple of comments. Like I like when Anne-Marie calls and she mentioned uh, the $10 million, but what is the total sales of Dableton Auto Group across the country? Oh, yeah, good point. That's a, a ten, $10 million is, is no. chump change. He's got, he's got like 25 dealerships. He's huge. Yeah, in the 30s maybe. And, yeah, I mean, just a small dealership can have uh, tens of millions of dollars in sales every year. Yeah, yeah. pocket change. And I got a couple of, com couple of comments on, like, uh, electric vehicles. I worked for a company maybe 15 years ago. We bought a couple of electric RAV4s. You might have had 30 miles of range with it. If you put the heater on, it was less. Look at how the technology has changed in the last 10, 20 years in electric vehicles. It's you know, 300 plus miles. And you know, that technology is going to keep evolving and getting better and better. Yeah. And the, the last thing about charging stations, it's, our local parks have charging stations, but they're not the fast ones. So people are bringing their electric cars to the charging stations, leaving there overnight to charge because it's free. So that's another option of getting a car for, charged for free. Yeah. People are creative. Yeah, they're, uh, they actually call them... Um, I know Tesla on their app, they call them destination charging. It's a nice way of saying they're slow chargers. So in other words, you go there, like say you're on a road trip and you stop at a hotel and then use their charger, their destination charger overnight. So there's all sorts of ways. And Earl's talked about this a lot is charging at home is a thing a lot of people don't consider when you charge it overnight, you're basically have a gas station at home and you don't have to really worry about it that much. It's not that bad. Yeah, By the way, you do on most of these, these uh, charging, um, networks and the apps if somebody is parking some somewhere excessively um you can report them on the app and i think like because we have charge uh charge point stations at the dealership and we have you know uh administrative control so if somebody were to park there and charge we can actually we could turn it off remotely or charge them you know we could uh, uh the owners of the stations have a lot of control Sounds great. Kevin, uh, before I let you go, I Googled uh, the, the question, and uh, the, the, here, here's a suspected problem. Vibration, it would occur to me, and Rick uh, 
uh, would know more than I, but you got an original factory lamp, and it was installed at the factory, obviously. You drive the car, and uh, assuming it was done exactly right, because it was done by professionals when the car was built. Now you replace the lamp. A human being is replacing that lamp. It's possible that the installation and the tightening and whatever else Rick would know more than I, if you don't put it in there firmly, vibration will cause that filament to burn out early. That can certainly have a big difference in it. So that might be it. You might try, uh, I don't know what you try. You, you have someone that knows what they're doing say, I think it's a vibration problem. I'm putting a new lamp in there. Be sure it's put in properly so it won't have any, any undue vibration. And maybe even try a little bit of that dielectric grease on the fitting of the bulb where it sits in to help absorb some of that vibration. Yeah, good point. Just a, a thin layer. Well, I think the operator is the biggest problem you who know, like to hit potholes in the road, so that's the biggest problem. So. Yeah, good. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, that was a good point uh, that you made uh, because we're driving. We don't realize these roads that we're on uh, that, uh, you know, have a impact on our vehicles. Things become loose. They become, you know, the, all this vibration mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that happen in between. 877-960-9960. And don't forget, ladies, uh, $50 for the next new female caller. Give us a call, 877-960-9960. And you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to Rick. Got a couple here. Uh, <clears throat> first one is from Kyle in Pennsylvania. He says, uh, a little confusing where I wrote it, but I think what he's saying is, um, if it's 2023 before Toyota inventories get back to about 50% of what they were before, Toyota will still have no reason to offer rebates. Uh, he thinks it could be as many as two years before you could get a new car for under MSRP. But Earl, I think you've said that you don't think you're ever going to see cars under MSRP again? Well, I said we might not. I, I, I think we're. This is a watershed moment in our auto retailing history for a lot of reasons, and uh, the new normal is what we'll call it. I mean, we have the pandemic, and we have this. Uh, we're now in Looney Tunes with the cars thousands of dollars under MSRP. I think embarrassment and pressure from the manufacturers, attorney generals, hopefully, uh, certainly by the Federal Trade Commission, will keep it from getting too crazy. And I think we'll come back to something like uh, Apple stores, where uh, you do buy cars at MSRP, but they're reasonable MSRPs and their values. Uh, we don't care when we buy an iPhone or a Mac computer. We don't care if it's high price because it's a great value for the money. And I mean, I, I shouldn't say high price. We don't care if it's MSRP. We don't care if it's what the <coughs> printed, you know, a loaf of bread. The things we buy typically that, are, are- That's MSRP. MSRP. Ooh. Cars have inflated MSRPs. And so that starts the horse trading. And then they had hidden uh, packs in the invoices, which uh, proliferated the horse trading and, and unfair and deceptive advertising and trade practices and everything else. So I think when the smoke settles, you're going to have fixed prices on new cars, and it will be a fairer price than ever before. Yeah. Kind of like what we pioneered. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and, I have more bad news, though, for... Um, consumers and this just uh, came in 
well, it was announced on the 7th by Toyota, but we just got the email. Um, now MSR, uh, manufacturers are going, MSR, going over MSRP because we just got our MSRP increase uh, rate. So starting um, in May, um, model 2022, a lot, most of the Toyotas are going up anywhere from $250 to $700 on the MSRP side, which means the price is going yeah. up to consumers that much. No, mm-hmm. But that's still good. Listen, whatever, if, if you post a price on a product, automobile we're talking about, and you advertise the price and you sell it for the price it's advertised for, that empowers you, the consumer, to shop and compare. So if you are going to buy a Chevrolet, you have a, the MSRP, and uh, you can go to another dealer. If he'll give you a discount of MSRP, you'll buy it from him. If he won't, you'll buy it from somebody else. So. This is what all we want to have on our new vehicles is a price that you can shop and compare. Whether And if, if you don't have a, a price that you can shop and compare, then that's where the shenanigans begin and the deception begins. Great advice. We're going to go back to the phones, and uh, John has been holding. Uh, thank you for holding, John. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, the Just want to... Um, and uh, the people who sit at the chargers and they're done charging, I do know that uh, at the Palm Beach Outlet Malls, that's local for all of us. Um, if you if when you're done when your car is done charging, uh, there's a surcharge that kicks in after like 20 seconds or something where they start charging you extra, and that's to keep people from uh, you know charging their car and then go shopping for several hours. Right. Hmm. And uh, that's one of the things that. Uh, that's built into those uh, supercharging systems because um, we use it. And uh, the other thing is we're happy with our uh, Tesla 3 uh, round trip from West Palm here to Orlando. Uh, the total cost was $22 uh, wow. for charging, you know. And so we're very happy about that. Uh, and then a lot of times you, we get the naysayers that, uh, they want to know, uh, and I think you've talked about it before. Um, but, you know, what do the people with the electric car do when a hurricane comes and there's no electricity? Well, I have a generator, and my generator has a 240 outlet, and I just car- charge the car with the uh, with the generator sure. and that. And uh, and then same thing, the local Wawa because the law states that they have to be able to provide gas. You know, they they have to have the uh, uh, the pumps working. What do you call it? The, uh, the, the pumps working and all that. That all takes electricity. So even during a hurricane, you can still take your car up to Wawa and charge it. Uh, if the if the charging stations are on the grid with the pumps, you know, as far as electric. Uh, but, uh, you know, home generators will charge a TV. Sure. Uh, because they all have the 240 outlet. Um, you just got to make sure you have the uh, the components to plug it in. Exactly, yeah. and, and if South Florida used to have a huge amount of hurricane-related power problems, and a lot of the, you know, you've got a lot of places got generators now. I'm I'm betting a lot of these charging stations uh, that you're using for your car have generator backups, especially in South Florida, and uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Nope, nope. But that's what the naysayers, you know, that. Oh yeah. You know, well, there's. I, it's like every time we have technological improvements, there's also, and you know, I, I'm really one of them. I'm gonna miss combustion engines. I, I think about them. I mean, you know, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and um, 
Uh, I uh, I just love the muscle cars and the four and the floor and the yep. three two barrel carbs, dual quads. I mean, um, but you know, I, when I think about it, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the electric car, it doesn't make the only thing it doesn't have is the cool sound. So uh, you could probably buy yourself a, 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 a some sort of an audio system that makes your Tesla sound like a '55 Chevrolet. You've got greased yeah. lightning without the thunder. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, John. Great hearing. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Great yeah. hearing from you, John. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, you can go to Earl on Cars, and you can sign up for Earl's Vigilantes. And uh, you can help us out, and you can help a lot of people in your community and uh, take advantage of that. Also, we need uh, volunteers to, you know, help some of uh seniors uh get through the you know internet not all of us can you know maneuver our way around there so uh go to earl on cars and you can get all that information i think stu's got some texts mm-hmm. for us oh yeah amory texted back just to let us know that the palm beach post story on napleton appeared on page 5b mm-hmm. a little oh. little buried uh, okay that's it why was, i didn't see it it was on the auto news too uh, this week's auto news that's a trade journal for the manufacturer's dealer on page 40. yeah, yeah I, I i don't i didn't get a copy of the palm beach post <laughs> but I, I do want to see how far away they place it from napleton's ad like maybe that's like exactly the, i don't think naples advertising in the palm beach post i don't i don't get the palm beach post you know i haven't seen their ad in the palm beach post and Boy, I'll tell you what, they're heavy on advertisement and always have been. That's why I alluded earlier to the protection of Napleton, you know, but here we are, it's on TV. Man, I'm telling you, on TV, that that spot that we played, the way they handled the uh, reporter, Al Peffley, coming in, I mean, that's just, that's base 101 you don't don't look bad you're on camera you automatically you start off looking like a criminal when you yeah. start putting your hand over the camera yeah. or telling them to turn it off or you cover your head and you yeah what's going cover, on here? Cover your well, face. you know they're not you know listen, they're just I, i'm picking on them they're not they weren't hired to do that they're just uh sales and greeters and things like yeah, that we're, so. and we're talking about the naples and 10 million dollar fine by the federal trade commission if you just tuned in and naples is one of the largest uh, car dealers in the country uh multiple stores and uh uh, finally, the Federal Trade Commission went after him because the local attorney generals like Ashley Moody don't have the courage to do it because they'd be losing contributions from the Florida Automobile Dealers Association. And uh, we finally had the FTC. $10 million record record fine. Unfortunately, a drop in the bucket uh, for stings. a large multi-million dollar. Yeah. Hey, I don't care how big you are. That's, that's, Ten, it, uh, $10 million. Well, let me tell you. Hey, listen. Uh, you know what car dealers are making right now? Yeah. And uh, I guarantee you that the Napleton Auto Group makes $200 million a year. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So so for a $10 million fine, and Anne-Marie asked, can they write it off? I don't think so, but who cares? Right, doesn't matter. Uh, you're making $200 million. Here, here's $10 million. I make it 12 here. Yeah, this is for your trouble. Right. Give them $12 million. He did that just to look cool. Yeah. Well, let's let here. But at least, I tell you what hurts is what we're doing now right. and what Channel 12 did. And what that yeah. customer said on TV right in front of the dealership. Exactly. I mean, a Napleton yeah. customer says, I don't, don't yeah. think I should buy a car here. That's <laughs> what hurts. And that's uh, publicity hurts. And that's the reason the media needs yeah. to do, do your duty out there. Uh, the media, hey, Channel 25, Channel 5, why didn't you run it? If you did run it, I didn't see it. Uh, and I haven't heard about it. Only Channel 12. Is that WPEC? 
And, and, and also... Uh, yes, it is. I want to give them credit. WPEC, Channel 12, mm-hmm. and uh, they have the courage to... Uh, courage, exactly. Yeah. Courage. And uh, thank you, <coughs> Anne-Marie, for that information on the Palm Beach Post. Uh, that had to be a tiny article because uh, I didn't see it and I was looking for it. We're going to go back to the phones and we're going to talk to Charles in North Palm Beach. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. I've got a couple of questions uh, about internal combustion engines and electric motors and then Carfax. So first question is, if um, a car is being built, is the internal combustion engine more expensive than the electric motor? I would say yes. I'd say, uh, I'd say, uh, you know, once, once, the, once the cars, electric parts. cars get to scale, uh, the electric motor is uh, the simplest thing you've ever seen. It's just uh, a magnet with a wheel running around it. I mean, yeah, I think the for the electric cars, the big expense is the batteries. Battery, yeah. Because of the rare earth elements required to build the batteries. And those prices are coming down, too, because they won't require the same rare earth elements, and there'll be uh, new forms and types of it. But uh, eventually, the electric motor and battery will be cheaper to manufacture the the reason the combustion engine is is inexpensive as it is now is because the economy of scale. There's so many of them built, and the and and the investment and the and the tools to build them and the volume is so high, it got the price down. Same thing will happen with the electric motor and with the battery. Very very interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the battery cost because I was just thinking that electric motors are much more simple, and uh, yeah. with all of the many many parts in an internal combustion exactly. engine that uh, there ought to be a significant savings when you go to electric motors but it's motors and batteries yeah. my next question is about carfax and where does the information come from does that uh, come from police reports or does that come from individual uh, body shops how, did, how does that work? How all the, the comes from the insurance companies largely for the for the collision information, for repair information that comes from the car dealerships. Uh, uh, most dealers today, uh, we do, I think most other dealers do, uh, give authorization to patch into our computer to take all the information on the, every van we repair and what was done to it. Insurance companies all participate. And so Rental it's just companies, a yeah. law enforcement, yeah. anything. So you have you have a, a lot of cooperation, and Carfax was smart enough to get in on the ground floor, and they um, they have all that data in one point, and it's uh, uh, it's an amazing company, and uh, they're not perfect though, and you can get bad information. We every now and then we get bad reports from Carfax because anything by human beings has mistakes. I'm on their site. There's a lot more. I, and I, I knew this, but this I remember. So um, auctions uh, report frame damage and structural damage. Um, um, insurance companies, salvage auctions, automotive recyclers, rental fleet companies, state inspection stations, fire departments, manufacturers, law enforcement agencies. Um, it, the, the list keeps going, so they have a huge network of information. Yeah. They wrote the book, they got it on the ground floor, and they're an invaluable tool for everybody. Well, I'm just guessing, though, it's a fairly minor repair that, say, in view of your deductible, um, you simply pay out of pocket, and you go to a local body shop. I'm just wondering if that ever hits Prob- the airwaves. Probably not. That, that, w- that wouldn't be there unless... 
Uh, the uh, Carfax had to deal with the body shop. By their computer, yeah. Yeah, by computer, in other words. That's what they do with mechanical repairs. They, pr they probably do it with body shop repairs, too, uh, if the body shop will cooperate. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, I think Carfax must have some sort of a arrangement uh, uh, whether they pay them or, or give them advertising or, or something. There's there's a, a quid pro quo kind of a thing, I'm sure, between Carfax and all the data suppliers. Extended warranty companies, let them know about major repairs. Yeah, okay. exactly. Thank you very much. As usual, yeah. great information. Well, that was a great call, Thank Charles. You, Charles. Thank you. We're going to go to Glenn. Uh, good morning, Glenn. Good morning, all. Welcome. I haven't called in quite some time since you turned me down as a first-time female caller. <laughs> I got over that. <laughs> I have a comment on the Napleton affair. We, I'm from St. Louis, and we have a couple Napleton dealers up here. They won't come out of St. Louis. I think it's St. Peter's, which is a, a city right outside of the main town of St. Louis. And it's your typical business response to settling a lawsuit where they settled for $10 million mm -hmm. but denied any wrongdoing, yeah. admitted to no wrongdoing. Yeah. Well, my comment is, if you sue me for $10 million and I settle, I was guilty. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that's all I've got, sir. Yeah, people know that, and uh, most people know that. Uh, it's... Uh, you know, it's a cop out. I it's, it's the I, the rationale, and I've settled lawsuits as a businessman. Uh, uh, one of the reasons, uh, a legitimate reason for settling a lawsuit, is that sometimes litigating the lawsuit uh, costs more than the settlement, and the attorneys know that. And uh, you know, if I were to do another show after we get all the car dealers to be honest, it would be Earl Stewart on attorneys. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, what happens is there's, there's attorneys out there that make their money. Uh, here's the way they make their money. Uh, they get a frivolous lawsuit. They get a lawsuit that has no merit. And they, and they represent the, uh, the, the company, the, uh, the plaintiff. And uh, they say to, they, they call the, the, the accused uh, company, car dealer maybe, and say, listen, uh, I'm going to sue you. And I'm sue you under the Florida Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act, or whatever, and uh, that means you're going to be responsible for the attorney's fees, and um, your attorney's fees are probably going to be fifty thousand dollars. I'll settle it today for ten thousand. Now, what I used to say, uh, screw you, I'm not going to settle. I'm right, you're wrong, and I, I would stand up for myself and I would litigate. Uh, I did that a few times. It got costly, and then. I started having my insurance company get mad at me because I've had my insurance company say, Earl, we're going to settle this. I said, I don't want to settle it. I'm right. I didn't do it. And uh, they say, well, we're going to settle it anyway because in your insurance agreement to cover you, we get to decide when to settle. And I can see their point. They don't want to pay $50,000 for me to cover me and, and defending me when they can pay the plaintiff's lawyer $10,000 to settle. So. It isn't always a confession uh, when people settle. In Napleton's case, I'm sure it was a confession because we know Napleton's <laughs> um, modus operandi, and we also own $10 million, 
would be an awful lot of money in litigation, but in this case here. But I, your point is well taken, and I, I think, and Glenn, I think you're right. Uh, they they shouldn't have settled, and they should have they should have gone to the man on it and lost and been branded <laughs> for who they are. Do you? I'd hate to give you too much credit, Earl, but <laughs> do you think the mystery shopping had anything to do with this? I hope so. I'd love to think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, I you know, we 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 wonder all the time how much good are we doing. Uh, we know the dealers listen. Uh, we know Napleton uh, of all dealers listens, uh, and uh, we've targeted them as numero uno bandit uh, as long as I can remember. And uh, they've never had a good mystery shopping report, so I hope I hope so. It would sure make us all be uh, very happy if we thought we had something to do with it. But thanks for bringing it up. Congratulations! I think you've got a lot of dealers looking over their shoulders. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate that. I agree, Glenn. Thank Thank you. We're going to go straight to the Roadrunner. Roadrunner Steve. Me, me. Morning. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Hey, Earl, does an electric car sound like this? <laughs> no. Of course not. Of course not. Now, why don't we go back to basics with steam cars? Water power. You yeah. can get water everywhere. Yeah. You don't need electric. Yeah. Stanley Steamer. You know, uh, you know this. I have to do an old story now, Steve. Is my father? He was born in 1892, uh, and uh, passed away in 1976. 77. 77. And uh, he's a pioneer, and uh, he he told me up until uh, you know he was he, he retired from from the car business, he said the best engine ever made was a steam engine. And uh, if someone could solve the problem of how do you get enough water <laughs> to carry around, uh, they'd probably be using steam engines today to power vehicles. But it was yeah. amazing acceleration, uh, ma amazing top speed, a lot of good things about it. You got to get there? Okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. I mean, and plus, I came up with a new invention for the electric car, in case uh, you run out of electricity. What's that? It's, it's uh, you get a plastic gas can, and you put an extension cord in it, and plug it in. <laughs> and then you close the top, right, when the, le when the meter says full, uh -huh. this way, when you run out of power... Just take that extension cord out, put it back in the can, and plug your car into it. Perfect. All right. Can, yeah. we, can we sell this? You better patent that. So you should, you should have never said that over the radio. People yeah. be scrambling to steal your patent. I'm, I'm rich with good health. How's that sound? That's, that's the best kind of wealth. <laughs> Steve, you're the greatest, hey, I'll tell you. What happened with this North Lake Kia stuff here? Oh, boy. They were, in the, they were in the paper about ripping people off, charging higher finance charges. It was in the Palm Beach Post. Yeah, Napleton got in trouble. Yeah, that's the Napleton lawsuits, uh, Steve. I don't know if you were listening earlier, but the uh, Federal Trade Commission uh, hit him with a settlement of $10 million. They, they sued him for that. And two of the stores, the one you referred to, also the Chrysler Premise store, a Chrysler Jeep store, I should say, for Napleton owns on North Lake Boulevard. Both of them were in that suit, like 15 or 20 dealerships, that he settled the lawsuit for $10 million, a record settlement with the FTC. 
But does anybody get fired? Or they just get a lawsuit. They, well, they, they get, get the fired? money. They, don't, don't they, they, the money goes to the uh, consumers. Most of them go to the consumers. I don't know if anybody got fired for it. Probably not. Oh, no. They probably well, got promoted. I mean, the one I, they, they probably fired. Uh, <laughs> see, if they fired the one that got caught. You, you, they yeah. didn't fire the people for doing it. When you, it was enabled, and when they catch you, they fire you. Right. The, what is that, the stool pigeon? Or not the stool pigeon. The, In fact, they caught their service. Goat. They the fired their service manager a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whistleblower. The, the last guy hired gets fired. You know that deal. That's right. <laughs> last one in, first one out. Yeah, okay, everybody have a good day. Thanks for the talk. <laughs> Thank right, you, you know, there, here's something. Let me bring up quickly because I know uh, Rick will appreciate this. We're talking about ways to keep electric cars going. And he used to tell us, Rick told us about a place in Sweden or Germany, some place that had the uh, the, the uh Power uh, charge in, charge the car on the road. Race. Yeah, uh, Purdue University, my old alma mater, uh, has a project going now, and they have test roads in Michigan, Florida, and Indiana, uh, where they're putting the the infrastructure in the road that has the basic. Uh, uh, charging capability as you drive along the highway, it charges the electric car. So that's really cool, and that's almost as good as Steve's the Roadrunner's extension cord. But it'll just—you never have to worry about charging or batteries. It just keeps on charging. So that'll happen one day. Anything you can imagine will happen one day. Yeah, we're gonna—I think we're gonna look back and, and laugh at the time when we were worried about like range on electric vehicles. Yeah, it, it's batteries are gonna get better, and a million other solutions are gonna are gonna solve it. Exactly. All right. Uh, how are we doing on the we're, phones? Uh, we're all finished, and we're going to get back to Stu, where he has a lot of text messages. Yeah, just a few, not not that not that that many. Here's a really interesting question uh, that came in. It says, "Hello, what do you think of the general work culture in the car dealership industry, and what can be done to improve it? And what would you recommend people going into this career?" And uh, just real quick, I mean, you're speaking about car dealerships, not manufacturing. Um, Generally, it's uh, pretty bad. I mean, just historically, um, uh, in sales, car salespeople work long hours. Um, there is a kind of a brutal culture of, of pressure. You know, the, the, what we see on our mystery shopping reports, we see the pressure being put on customers. A lot of that kind of rolls downhill from uh, from the dealers down through management. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to hit quotas and, and, and hit certain numbers. So. Um, generally, I, I wouldn't recommend people. Um, I think car dealers that do it better um, look at um, not putting their employees into positions where they're in conflicts with their customers. I well, think, yeah. there, there's a there's a footnote that during the past two years that hasn't been the case. It's yeah. been it's a seller's market, and so the uh, car salesmen basically are taking orders, and uh, they're not working the long hours they used to or had to. And uh, but that'll be over. But uh, in the in the in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, selling cars is like being a waiter in a restaurant or a waitress in a restaurant. Uh, you uh, long hours and a lot of hard work, and and uh, uh, but that's all changing. You know, we're gonna uh, this this is evolving, but it's. Uh, okay. And the follow-up question: In light of Amazon, Starbucks, Starbucks workers starting to unionize this year, uh, could this happen in the car uh, dealership industry? It used to, as, uh, and then the, the unions went out. The unions uh, could come back in. Uh, it all depends. It's just, uh, it all depends. If the manufacturer, if the if the employers treat their their deal, their employees fair, you don't have a union. If they try to take advantage of the employees, you do have a union. I, union, I, I like the idea of unions because they keep the 
the employers are honest. They keep the businesses honest. If, if you, if the unions became unions uh, back 50, 60, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, because of the terrible way employees were treated. And the unions forced the employers to treat them right. So, uh, uh, you know, I think it's a happy balance we have today. Without unions, I think the employers would be maybe uh, leaning on the employees more than they should. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, here's another one. This is really good. It says, a couple of questions. I ordered a new Corolla, a Toyota Corolla, Corolla Cross about six weeks ago. I'm at, at the time, the estimated wait time was three to four months. Um, recently got an update only to be informed that the wait time is now six to nine months and I discovered that there was a production slowdown at the Toyota factory in Huntsville, Alabama. They went went from building 5,100 crosses a month to zero. Yikes. What's wrong in Huntsville? Um, well, I can tell you, Huntsville, and that's back online, and, they, and they've and re, they re, rebooted the uh, the production, but it had to do with supply chain issues, particularly in, from Southeast Asia. Um, there's uh, COVID, uh, believe it or not, is still a, a factor over there, Vietnam, Malaysia, and so there was... Um, China. And China. And but a lot of the parts coming there from, uh, from Malaysia and Vietnam in particular. So that slowed down, they pumped it back up, but this is happening every single time. It's so strained that any change can really um, affect uh, a lot in the supply chain. Uh, How about COVID? Uh, Nancy was telling me on the car coming in, she was reading, I think, in the newspaper that in, in China now, the COVID is so bad that the auto manufacturers are making their employees sleep in the manufacturing plants. Yeah, they're building these, uh, these bubbles uh, for <laughs> their employees where they can eat, where they can sleep, where they stay there. They just never leave. We were thinking about putting bubbles in the dealership a couple of years ago. Just kidding. The other question says, says this is about the Corolla Cross they, uh, they have on order. It says, if my vehicle doesn't arrive until November, will I get a 21 or a 2023? Um, answer the question, uh, you'll get whatever the year that's being produced at the time. Um, it very well could be a 2023 at the time. And in most cases, that doesn't cause a problem. But as we, um, uh, we'll get into the uh, potential pitfalls later. Also, if the hybrid version of the Corolla Cross is supposed to be available in December, shouldn't I order the hybrid version now instead? Yes, because if you wait till December, it could be another six months or a year after that to, for that to get it. So order now, and even if it's not being made, you'll most likely get it. Well, let, me, let me jump in just quickly. I know I'm interrupting, but uh, we talked about this earlier. This blog, uh, Avoid Six Pitfalls Ordering a New Car, it's just coming out. It's online now, EarlOnCars.com. And it will be in the Florida Weekly and the and the hometown news. Uh, it'll be also on Facebook. We post it there. Uh, it's particularly important if you're going to order a car, and you should order a car instead of buy one out of dealer stock. Uh, there, there's a lot of things uh, that the dealer is doing now. When you order a car, uh, you want to be sure you have yourself a commitment from that dealer, uh, especially on price. And uh, it's, it's, if you go into a car dealership today and say, order me a Chevrolet Corvette, um, and they say, okay, and you give them a deposit and you go home, you don't have uh, much control over that Corvette. And when it comes in, that Corvette will be sold to the highest bidder, and your Corvette will be sold to somebody else. Or it may be sold to you for a whole lot more than what you thought you paid for it when you ordered it today. So. Read this blog, Six Pitfalls to Avoid When Ordering Your Car, if you're going to order a car. 
And it's the smartest way, if you have to have a car, to get a car today, order it from the factory. Yeah, what a great column that is. Um, you can uh, you can read that in the Hometown News. You can read it in the Florida Weekly. So take advantage of that. A lot of information in that column. And, uh, you know, what, what we're doing is trying to, you know, maneuver uh, all of you in these volatile times. And it is definitely volatile times. You've helped us with information, and uh, we have helped you with information. And I want to take a moment and thank all of you, all of you, for tuning in every week to Earl Stewart on Cars. We're going to go to our mystery shopping report. And as always, you're an important part of the mystery shopping report. You can text us at 772-497-6530 with your rate Uh, with your grade on the mystery shopping report and that mystery shopping report is from auto nation honda of hollywood now back to the recovering car dealer yeah and and this report is a relatively short report so keep your yeah we'll probably get back to text and youtube uh, post and facebook post after the report so uh we're going to turn off the phone line uh while i read this mystery shopping report that Stu wrote and then after that, we'll get back to youranonymousfeedback.com. And as Nancy just gave you the text number, 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Okay, Mystery Shop, Automation Honda of Hollywood, Florida. Um, that uh, Hollywood Honda has been there for a long time. It was originally uh, started, I believe, uh, by... Uh, um, uh, his name is uh, escaping me. I was the largest Honda dealership in the country for a while. It was really an amazing dealership. Auto Nation now owns it. Okay. Our mystery shop <clears throat> last week took us into the heart of the notorious South Florida car market. During arguably the worst part of our never-ending inventory crisis, and everything turned all, out all right. J.M. Lexus and Margate, we'll call it Fort Lauderdale. Uh, everybody knows where Fort Lauderdale is. Prove there's always an exception to the rule. We gave them an A minus, and even here in the pit of Sodom and Gomorrah of the car dealerships, A minus for JM Lexus. Exceptional customer experience that would have been impressive anytime, uh, inventory crisis or not. So you want a Lexus and you live in Florida, buy it from JM Lexus in Margate, AKA Fort Lauderdale. JM Lexus charged Agent Lightning just $299 over MSRP. Isn't that amazing I say that? Uh, Anything that close to MSRP today is a good buy. Plus a mini dealer fee of 59 bucks. But everything was presented transparently and with zero pressure. And that's the name of the game, transparently. It was such a strange juxtaposition to the very bad car dealer behavior we have in South Florida. Just any other place they could have gone in any direction, particularly if they went to Al Hendrickson Toyota, would have been a much different experience. For those listeners outside our area, South Florida basically consists of three counties, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach, with a total population of nearly 10 million. That's interesting. I, I thought it was more than that, but 10 million. What's what, Palm Beach County? 2 million? Something like that? Mm-hmm. It's, an unbroken, un, it's an unbroken metro sprawl, I like that, that runs from Jupiter through Miami. Jupiter is the extreme north end of Palm Beach County. 
Uh, the population gets denser the further south you go, and the denser the population, the more car dealerships. I mean, wall-to-wall car dealerships in South Florida. When you get, it's kind of like Los Angeles. When you get all these car dealerships crammed together, the competition gets fierce. A booming economy, a once-in-a-lifetime seller's market, and I can tell you, we'll never see it this good again for car dealers. And no practical regulatory enforcement creates the perfect condition, the perfect storm for a dangerous consumer environment. This is why JM Lexus' performance during our mystery shop was so remarkable. I'm telling you, JM Lexus could get away with $1,000 over MSRP or more. A business like JM Lexus that can self-regulate in the internet in the interest of its customers is using long-term thinking very rare commodity among a lot of businesses. They're sacrificing short-term windfalls to retain the trust of their customers. Using the word sacrifice is amusing to me because even self-regulating dealerships are making all-time record profits. Even my dealership, who's drawn the line at MSRP, is making more money than ever before. Uh, We had a record new car profit last month. It's sickening to think of the amount of money some of these dealers are making these days. I mean, we look at our financial statement and we feel bad. Bad for you, bad for the customer, bad for you, um, because we're making so damn much money. And then we look at the fact that we're charging less than anyone else and wonder uh, how much could they be making. I mean, uh, I'll digress a little bit. Uh, In Automotive News, a trade journal this month, uh, this week, I should say, Automotive News, they're talking about the record prices for car dealerships. Car dealerships are going for twice what they used to go for. Uh, single point, uh, privately owned car dealerships are selling out to the large groups, the public groups, or the private groups. Right now, the large groups are selling one out of every four car dealerships sold in the United States. They're making money hand over the fist, and they're buying out all the mom and pop shops. Uh, it's really crazy. Okay, here's a report, and I'm speaking in the first term, is if I were Agent Lightning. Uh, Ange- is that pronounced to Angelino? Angelino. 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 That's, that's, that sounds almost feminine, but it was a male person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angelino, the salesman, was waiting by the front door and watched me as I parked my car and walked into the entrance. I got to the door. He asked me if I was there to see anyone in particular. said I didn't have an appointment. But I was very interested in a new Honda Pilot. I I pointed to the gray Touring model, parked nearby and told him I wanted something like that. Angelino asked me if I wanted him to get the keys, and I said, okay. The MSRP of the Pilot was $46,920. There was no addendum sticker on the car. That's usually a red flag, and we see mostly red flags because most all cars have addendum stickers. This car did not have an addendum sticker. he was only gone for a, a couple of minutes, and then he launched into a detailed presentation of the car and all its features. We took it for a test drive in heavy traffic. Uh, that's all you get down there in South Florida mm-hmm. is heavy traffic, particularly in this area. Along the way, Angelina asked me if I was considering any other vehicles. I told him I was narrowing my search down to the Honda Pilot and the Toyota Highlander. Angelina told me the Pilot is much heavier and therefore much more stable. That's an interesting argument. He said I would feel the difference when I open and close the doors. 
He said he doesn't like to badmouth the other brands, but he insisted you could feel the difference between the Pollock and the Highlander. That's good salesmanship. Uh, a lot of salesmen just sell a price and they don't sell the product. This salesperson was selling the product. Uh, there was no selling of the price because he's not going to negotiate. We returned to the dealership and went to Angelina's desk. He asked for my driver's license and went about adding me to their computer system. He told me all about the inventory situation and that most of the sales are orders. And I alluded to that earlier. And you should order a car. You buy the car on the floor, you're going to be paying more money. Angelina, you're also going to be paying for the money, more money for the one you order, but not as much more. Angelina told me that if I didn't take the car today, I should leave a deposit that way. I wouldn't lose out on the car, I told him, and, um, you know, when it came in. Well, I alluded to that earlier. There are some other things you should do if you order a car. You want to have a legal buyer, you want to have a legal buyer's order. I told him I still needed to drive the Highlander and didn't want to uh, give him a deposit till I had picked out the car I wanted. And that certainly is a good practice, good idea. Angelia wanted me, uh, warned me about what the other dealers were doing. He said AutoNation was not using markups or addendums. Now remember that. AutoNation was not using markups or addendums. But the other dealers were, they were charging way over MSRP. Again, remember this paragraph. I asked to see the numbers and Angelina left to get the worksheet. The top line was MSRP, $46,290. Now remember he said earlier, the last paragraph, that other dealers are charging markups over MSRP. Okay, now his MSRP was 46290 Then he added a three-year production package for 619 Extended warranty. Yeah. A three-year dent protection package for 639 mm. Window tending for 299 Wheel locks for 149 Ka-ching. Nice. 149 electronic filing fee, ka-ching, $899 dealer fee, uh, hidden fee, I call it. Yeah, what they call it. Ka-ching. Uh, and then, of course, the sales tax, which is a government fee, which is the only thing okay that I just said was a sales tax. And, of course, the license plate. I didn't mention that. AutoNation Honda was selling me the pilot, along with some stuff I didn't ask for. Uh, $2,754 worth of stuff over MSRP. So the total was 49000 24 the MSRP was 646290 So when you hear they're not selling it over MSRP, they were selling it over MSRP, but in a different way. Dealers are adding addendums that are markups the market value, they call it, market adjustment addendum, they call it, just another form of a markup over MSRP. Relatively valueless addendums, dealer-installed options, and hidden fees, dock fees, like electronic filing fee and dealer fee, these are all markups, just by a different name. A rose is a rose is a rose. It's still a markup. <coughs> and so you, mentioned, you mentioned to me, I didn't catch this when I was writing this stuff, you caught this in their fine print. Yeah. Down now, at the bottom. I'll show you this. It's uh, the last page, yeah. and I, I wrote it down. I'll show you the fine print. The fine print, I'll read it, and then I'll hold it in front of the camera if you're streaming this. It says, optional products or services not required for vehicle purchase. And it's in the fine print that you can't read. So 
you can see my writing and you can see the fine print. No, you can't see the fine print, <laughs> but you can see my writing. So that was devious. And uh, So then he said to try to get him to take it off. Yeah, he did. He tried to take it off. I'll read that part of it. And the salesman basically said, uh, uh, let's see here. I'll just read it. I asked Angelino about the uh, add-ons. He said, I didn't want any of it. I said, I didn't want any of it. He said, um, uh, if I didn't want all the add-ons, he didn't think he could do anything about it because some of it was already installed on the vehicle. He said that if I gave him a deposit to bring to his manager, it would be a fight, but he would see what he could do. So here were add-ons that were disclosed to be not required that Angelino was telling me was required, at least his manager, he thought it would require it, and he would have to fight to get it taken off. So here we have dishonesty. And pressure, he's saying, give me some and money. And pressure by the salesperson, and potentially by the manager. We didn't talk to the manager, but we could have. And uh, it was a bit, a bit of a disappointment. Um, AutoNation, uh, CYA, covered themselves with the disclosure, but it was still in the fine print. So they can say that they're a publicly held company. Publicly held companies like AutoNation tend to be a little bit more careful about following the letter of the law. Unfortunately, the letter of the law says you can disclose things in fine print. Everybody does it, but it's just not morally right. It's not ethical. So here we have a shopping report uh, where it was a little more honest than we thought till we saw the fine print, uh, which the sales manager probably would have argued about, fought for, as Angelino the salesman said, and therefore we have a, um, a negative in this otherwise seemingly uh, positive shopping report. Certainly it wasn't what we experienced at GM Lexus in that same area. So we come to the point where we're going to vote on it, and you have to keep in mind that... Uh, this was um, on a curve we created, that's what I'm trying to say. And we are talking about South Florida where deception and, and distortion and bait and switch are commonplace. So uh, call in your votes or write in your votes. On yeah, we have Bob has already um, submitted his. He gave him three grades. He says, I have three grades for AutoNation Honda FTC. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like an F. I guess uh, which one, uh, T doesn't want. I, I think we're going to go with with F. Um, while, we're, while we're waiting for these to come in, well, no, let, let me comment on that because we have time. Uh, it, it was a joke, tongue in cheek, but it actually isn't a joke because you know the Federal Trade Commission says in writing it's a violation to use anything in fine print that changes the advertised price. So that's exactly what uh, Hollywood Honda did. They put something in the fine print. They violated the Federal Trade Commission regulation, and they could be fined by the Federal Trade Commission or sued by the Federal Trade Commission, and they should be, just like Napleton. So it's it's a question of degree of egregious versus not so egregious, but they're both violating Federal Trade Commission regulations. Okay. I, I, I'm going to... I, I'll give them a, a D. I'm not really low uh, passing grade because yeah. we've seen worse and we can't give everybody an F who does something wrong. Yeah. Um, but they did something wrong. And it doesn't sound like it's up to automation standards. Things are getting ca yeah. carried away in yeah. the uh, exuberance yeah. of the South Florida car market. And, I don't, and I'm not 
you know, criticizing you, Stu, or, or Angel Lightning or anybody, I could have done the same thing. And I'm, I, I, did, I read this with a magnifying glass. I used my iPhone and I pulled up my magnifying app to read it. But, you know, here, here's, a, here's a, some people that are in the car business that missed the fine print. So clearly, fine print is not disclosure, and that's the reason the Federal Trade Commission says it's a violation. But nobody enforces it. Uh, uh, Ashley Moody doesn't enforce it in Florida. No attorney general enforces it. And even the Federal Trade Commission's not enforcing it. So what good are all these rules and laws if they don't get enforced? You got some grades, Rick? I've got Mark Anderson. Mark from St. Louis with a D. Brian Sedlaco, come on, Angelino, give me a break. D. Cram1624 says, go for the fight. Uh, he didn't give a grade, but I'm, he wants to see that fight. Uh, Tom Steckel, D. Unwanted add-ons plus outrageous dealer fees. Mark Smith with a D. Wayne Vite with a big F. Angel Cigarro with an F. And I've got Negan1 with an F. And Kirk in West by God, Virginia. <laughs> I love that guy. The optimal fees add-ons are actually optimal slash mandatory. Optional if you want them, mandatory if you don't. A solid grade of F for deception. Hmm. And for me, I'm I'm gonna go with. They get a D minus because they're just playing games there. But it's it's like the same old thing we've seen over and over. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know, as we speak about it, especially in view of the Napleton fiasco with the Federal Trade Commission coming in and then uh, Hollywood Honda violating a Federal Trade Commission regulation, uh, I guess it kind of got our ire up. I'm really uh, surprised that we gave them such low scores, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm, my mind's going in the same direction. Nancy, how about you? I'm going to give them a D, and you know, like someone said earlier, you know, bring the fight on. You say you just don't want the add-ons. Uh, you know it's pretty clear, so I give them a D. I hope, I hope some of our regulators are listening now. I hope lawyers are listening. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I feel like I'm. Uh, I'm uh, I, I think I know a lot of law because I've been in the business so long, and, and I, I really think that uh, a good lawyer could go after Hollywood Honda and a lot of other car dealerships in Florida that are violating the Federal Trade Commission uh, regulation. You know, what good is advertising uh, rules and regulations if you can advertise a price and totally compromise it by unreadable fine print? Uh, what good is having uh, documents to sign that if the intent and the, or the, the apparent price you see on the document uh, when I hold this uh, worksheet up, which is basically how they bought the car, and you can see, you can see the the large print, and you literally can't read the fine print, and you can see why the Federal Trade Commission makes that illegal. Why doesn't some attorney get a buyer's order, a worksheet from some South Florida car dealerships, and read the fine print? Or go to the advertising and take a screenshot of your TV screen when they run the ad, or record the audio on a radio when they turn the speed of the audio up, where it sounds like a scratch on a record or something. Why don't you take that and 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 put together a nice class action suit? You can make yourself some serious money. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I, I why do they let all the car dealers get away with it? I have no idea. 
And here's an AutoNation store. You know, Mike Maroney, I think he's back as CEO. I think they brought him back. He retired, and they brought another CEO in, and they brought Maroney back. Uh, Mike Maroney is, uh, he's a good guy. He's an honest guy. Uh, why, does he, why does he allow his dealerships even to put that in the fine print? If it's a violation of the Federal Trade Commission rule. And look at the Facebook. If you think I'm wrong, I have it written now. I have it in a blog somewhere. It basically says, I can almost know it by memory. You, if you're going to modify the advertised recorded price, it must be displayed in the same size font and boldness and, uh, and uh, apparentness, meaning next to the price that you're modifying. And that's what the Federal Trade Commission says. And they put it down the fine print. I mean, actually, to put, give them credit, in the fine print, you can at least use a magnifying glass. On television, uh, you can't, because by the time you get your magnifying glass and get up the screen, it flashes on the screen for three seconds. Yeah. I know, I've tried. I've almost tripped a couple times trying to get up to the screen. And, yeah. uh, and you can't read it. Impossible. So, anyway, I had my vent. I'm through. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a great D. <laughs> You don't have time for yeah, live This is AutoNation. I'm going to give him a D. I, I, you know, I, All right, there we go. Uh, it just, uh, a D puts them on the approval list because we, we have them on the curve. Uh, we need. I think we're starting to grade harder than normal, and maybe we should. We're getting worn down. We're getting worn down, yeah. yeah. But we've alerted everyone. Be careful. It's a minefield out there. Stu, do you have any more grades? No, I just feel bad for all those car dealers out there who are uh, suffering at our at our irritation and our anger. <laughs> so we got time for a couple quick YouTubes? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. please. Uh, first one from Derek Lopez says, "Good morning." Had F and I questions. Is the most is it the most profit area for the dealership? Why are a majority of F and I guys pushy and take things personally when you don't buy anything? Because they can. It's uh, like selling cars today. If you don't want the car, he says to hell with you. The person that drove up, they're going to buy the car. Same thing with finance. You know, you, uh, if he doesn't finance you, the average finance profit for the top five, four volume uh, auto co public companies, and that's one out of four. You know, that's like a huge number of cars. Is over two thousand uh, dollars per car sold. Wow. Now. To answer his question, it isn't more than the selling price of the car because now they're making more than $2,000 by far on selling it. So they make $4,000 selling you the car and make $2,000 financing the car, and that's commonplace today. And I'll put these two together. Uh, Boston Ma is asking, what is the wait time on the RAV4 Hybrid and RAV4 Prime? And John Strine is coming with, uh, about how long would it take to receive a RAV4 if I ordered one? I was told by one Toyota dealer he could not order a vehicle that Toyota just sends allotments with no dealer input. Is this true? <laughs> no. I'm going to need a car soon and really don't know what to do. No, um, just to answer the first question, is a Prius uh, or a RAV4, any of the primes is going to take over a year. Um, a hybrid, probably six months to a year. A regular RAV4, um, three to six months. Um, it's not true what they said about ordering. It's not an ordering system. It's up to the dealer if they want to take an order. And we use a fancy shared Excel spreadsheet with a big list on and it. And if they won't take the order, go to a dealer yeah, that will, will take right. the order because you shouldn't buy out of stock. Yeah. Right. So that's not true. Uh, a dealer decides if they want to take orders. So go to the good ones. 
That's it. Very good information. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I hope that uh, we have educated you. You certainly educate us week in and week out. And we'll see you right back here next week, 8 a.m., same time, same station. Have a great weekend. <laughs>